Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? I'm doing well. I'm glad that you share your global perspective right from the outset. Morning, <laughs> afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. That's right. right. And the good news is there's lots of entrepreneurs globally fighting yeah. a good fight in the trenches, making it happen, creating value and opportunities for others at every hour of the day, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I even alerted a, a good friend of mine, Alan Help, uh, that he's a huge Stuckey's fan. So I said, hey, we're going to be live with the CEO today. And he said, ah, I'm playing golf. Selfish. <laughs> Well, hey, it's a big week for golf this week, but we'll save that for another show today. Talking about big, big weeks, big days, big shows. We've got a home run leader and a repeat guest joining us. It's yeah. unscripted Stephanie Stuckey's take on the entrepreneurial journey with a big focus today, Greg, on fundraising to include ensuring everyone, everyone has access to capital. Excellent show teed up, right, Greg? Yeah, big topic for the day. And finally, getting some eyes on that. So we've got some equity in terms of equity in the fundraising game. <laughs> Love that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to not only uh, learning from uh, Stephanie's journey, which has been incredible. You know, she's been with us before, but uh, you know, combining that with your perspective, you know, been there, done that a thousand times. Two of y'all, I think we're going to have a, a fascinating conversation and we're going to be including all the folks in the cheap seats. And we're going to knock out a couple of announcements and we're going to say hello to a few folks in just a minute. But Greg, let's pay the bills real quick. First up, we want to invite folks to join us for the May 10th webinar coming up right around the corner with our friends at Six River Systems, how to solve three common peak season challenges. Greg, home run stuff as always with this group, huh? Yeah, and can you believe we're talking about peak season, but truthfully, with the world we live in today, now is the right time to be talking about preparation for peak season, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, it could take like it did last year. An extra 90 days. I think we heard about our friends at iRobot who may be able to use what they intended to sell last Christmas for this Christmas. <laughs> so, I mean, that's one way to get ahead of the season, right? That's right. Not the, probably not the preferred way, but hey, folks, y'all the ideal way. No. <laughs> join us May 10th, 12 noon Eastern time. Free to register. The link to join is in the comments. And talking about a, a fulfilling journey, man, this 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. It has been remarkable. I think we've got about 70 nominees thus far. We've got a few more that we're, um, we're corralling in the last moments. The deadline's already passed, though. We're just kind of finalizing a few things. But most importantly, May 18th is the reveal. It's a live virtual event, 10 a.m. on May 18th. Register. Uh, Greg, this, this thing's been open for, I think, four or five days. We have close to, I don't know, 750 folks that have already registered. And it's wow. free to register. So join us as we uh, support uh, not only celebrate all the success across global supply chain, but we support the nonprofit Hope for Justice, which is on a mission to eradicate modern slavery and human trafficking. Greg, your quick thoughts there. I mean, if if anyone can do these virtual type events with fun, intellect, and interest and entertainment, 
I, I mean, I think I think it's going to be a great show. It's good to you know to be able to celebrate some of these companies that are doing great things and to celebrate a great cause, right? Ending human slavery. So, look, I'm astounded at the big and small companies that you know who have been nominated for this. We're going to have some really interesting entries to go through as we go through the judging process. Agree. We will be <laughs> scrutinizing, checking, yes. checking it twice. Hey, we will uh, be judged. <laughs> learn more at supplychainprocurementawards.com. Okay. You know, I, I'm going to flip the script real quick. Say that just once. Uh, it's yeah. tough Let's go ahead. I want to welcome in our guests, and then we're going to give some shout-outs to the folks that are in cheap seats. I bet some of these folks are big Stuckey's fans, and I want to give a chance uh, to Stephanie to uh, interact and engage. So uh, with no further ado, I want to welcome in our very special guest here today, Stephanie Stuckey, CEO of Stuckey's. Hey, hey, hey Stephanie. How you doing? Good. I like that swoosh. <laughs> hey, it's the little things, right, Greg? Yeah. Very few people get to get swooshed, Stephanie. So count yourself among the lucky humans on the planet. I'm I've been I've been spoiled now. I'm going to expect that every time I do any type of online. I'm gonna have the swoosh. <laughs> well, you know, Stephanie, we're so wonderful to have you back. We've really enjoyed a couple of interviews with you here, live streams and podcasts here. It's remarkable just to follow your journey. Don't call to come back anymore. It's amazing what your right? team's doing. We're going to dive into that more. But while you're here, let's say hello to some of the folks, uh, Greg and Stephanie, folks that have tuned in. I want to start with Ada Demola, who was with us the other day. Welcome back via LinkedIn. So great to have you. Enjoyed your perspective that you shared the other day. Carrie Jo Ellis from Spring Hill, Florida. Stephanie and Greg, great to see you, Carrie Jo. Mark Miller from the St. Louis area. I wonder if he's a, a big Cardinals fan. Tuned in via LinkedIn. Greg? I can see Stephanie going, now, did we have a store there? <laughs> I know. We still have a store there. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of road trips I've taken as well. And yeah. what, what did I see in St. Louis, which is a wonderful yeah. town? It is. It really is. Yeah. Sylvia Judy, of course, Greg. We can't do anything without the, the wonderful Sylvia Judy, right? Right. Happy Friday. Yeah, she keeps it real. <laughs> sure does. From Johns Island, of course, in the Charleston, South Carolina area. Lynn. Tuned in via LinkedIn from Albertville, Alabama. Ever been there, Stephanie? I'm thinking I have. So Lynn might need to let me know what's around there, but I that sounds so familiar. It's a great town. It's a great name. Yes. Is it, it is it Albertville, Alabama? Or could could it be Albertville, Alberta? <laughs> Maybe I mean, Canada. I wonder. No, I think it's Alabama, and I love the okay. alliteration. You know, Stephanie. Right. Stephanie, I, I'm we, we, we've we've had so many things that are hard to say already. Yes, Stephanie. Yeah. Right. You are Stephanie right. Stuckey, CEO of Stuckey's. Say that three times fast. <laughs> right. Joe is tuned in from California via LinkedIn. Great to see you here, Brenda. Tuned in from Tennessee via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Joe Turner. Greetings from Atlanta. That's uh, where I am. Home of the Atlanta Braves. Great to see you, Joe. Thanks for being here. Peter Bolay, all night and all day. One of our favorites around here. Masters weekend. He's also looking forward to that F1 race. Is that the one in Vegas, Greg and Stephanie? Are y'all been tracking this? I have Maybe been. Uh, I've been shirking my duties as an F1 fan. I must say, <laughs> my my Formula One skills are lacking. All right. Well, maybe Peter can let us know. Yeah. I just started watching 
race car driving. I, I went to a NASCAR race at the Atlanta Motor Speedway not too long ago and loved oh, it. Cool. Nice, nice. See, Fred, you Tolbert. don't like to see any of that pesky passing, Stephanie. <laughs> I just like the whole show. Right. It's not just watching the sport. It's the fans. It's the food the experience. It's the, it's the whole experience. Yes. Spectacle. Yes. Incredible. Fred Tolbert, Greg, the nickname that you bestowed upon Fred Tolbert is the Doc Holiday of supply chain. That is right. One of our favorites, Fred, who's doing some really cool things with uh, UGA undergrads. Uh, they've got the the dog chain, I think is what they call the group of supply chain students there at UGA. So great to see you here, Fred. Of course, Ryan Campbell from Nashville, another great city via LinkedIn. Great to see you. Evan from Omaha, Nebraska. Wonderful. T-squared. Home of the most neutral accent in America, by the way. <laughs> it's okay. And Howard Buffett. That, that's true. That too. The that's Oracle right. of Omaha. T-squared who holds down the fort for us on YouTube. Great to see you here. Happy, happy Friday. Bring on the lunchtime nourishment. Well, we've got that by the truckload yeah. here today. Uh, I know we couldn't get to everybody, but y'all keep the keep the feedback coming. We've got some great topics and, and stories and perspective here today. We want to make sure we feature all of, or as much as y'all's comments as well. And by the way, Lisa is confirming that it's Albertville, Alabama. <laughs> Albertville, Lisa. Alabama. Thank uh, you. Brenda. Now, Brenda says she's from the little town. Is there of an Albertville, Albert? I wonder. Oh my gosh, we're probably related, Brenda. <laughs> How about that small we're from world? The same hometown. Eastman's got well, we're almost population ten thousand. There you go. Love it. Is it growing now that you have facilities, or you're growing your facilities there now? I wonder. We're actually we've moved most of our operations to right outside of Augusta, Georgia. That's right. I love That's Eastman. Right. But the facility we bought was turnkey ready, and it happened to be outside of Augusta, which is a really good job market and home of the and master. a great town. That's home right. There's Augusta. Like business has shut down in Augusta this week. We've got a few things going on, and it's just you hit the whole button for the week of the Masters. There is nothing else but the Masters in Augusta this week. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, nothing else but Sung JM. By the way, he is absolutely <laughs> smoking that course. Well, you know, uh, I love a comeback, so I'm rooting for Tiger. That's right. I am too. Love hey, a comeback. One more. Mark Whittle uh, says, go dogs from Crystal Beach. And I wonder if that's Florida or California. Mark, let us know. But great to have you here. I know we couldn't we get to a bunch of- know where the dogs are from. That's right. Yeah, we yeah. do know where the dogs are from. That's right. <laughs> but hey, wherever, I know we couldn't get to everybody, but welcome. Y'all uh, picked a great live stream to be a part of. All right. So Stephanie, let's pivot just a bit here and let's talk, you know, since you were sh sharing some of your, you know, where operations are and some of the evolution mm -hmm. and the growth. Uh, although I think there's a, a beautiful new mur mural in Eastman, yes. Georgia, if I saw that yes. on, on social. So maybe we can touch on that, but in a nutshell, I uh, no pun intended. Uh, um, <laughs> tell us about for the two people, <laughs> for the two people well, there, out there. We have an international audience, so we may have a lot of people who don't know, right? That's a good point, Greg. That's a good point, Greg. So, Greg, uh, so Stephanie, tell us um, a little about Stuckey's. I'd be happy to. And thank you, everyone who's joined us. Please keep comments coming and hang on because we will have a giveaway. So you need to stay tuned. I'm going to be giving away some pecan log rolls, which is what Stuckey's is best known for. So quick summary of an 85-year-old company. We'll take wow. a quick trip in the Wayback Machine to 1937 during the Great Depression. 
My grandfather founded our company as a roadside pecan or pecan stand, however you want to say it. I'm happy to say it. As long as you're buying from us, I'll pronounce it <laughs> the right way. And he grew it from a pecan stand to at its peak in the 1960s and 70s. There were over 350 stores in 50 states. I've got a painting. It's actually a blown up Polaroid and background of what our stores look like. We had gas. We had it was like a convenience store. The first roadside retail chain in the country. We had 4000 billboards, candy plant, a pecan shelling plant, a trucking company. But he sold the company in 1964. There were a series of outside corporate owners. The brand took a plummet for a variety of factors and was six figures in debt when I had the wow. opportunity to buy the company back in November of 2019. And I had no prior business experience, I had lots of other life experience, but not business. I'm an attorney. And at age 53, I basically sunk my life savings into buying my family's company. Wow. Now, two years later, it's been two years and a hmm. few months. We've gone from 2.4 million gross sales to over 12 million from being in the red to having a little over 2 million profit. That's how we ended 2021. And the way we're moving the brand forward is largely supply chain issues. And we have gotten back into manufacturing. I got a business partner and we bought a pecan shelling plant and a candy plant outside of Augusta. And we're just growing the brand by getting into more retail accounts. So that's really the future of our company is manufacturing. That is so, there's so many different elements of that. That's cool. But I want to add this, Greg and Stephanie, this is, this is, uh, this is worth the price of admission. Brenda says, that you're related by heart because her dad was a Stucky store manager in the early oh, yeah. 60s oh. until 1973. Yeah. Wow. I'm How? sure he knew my grandfather. That is awesome. So, yeah. So the stores, unfortunately, we don't own or operate any of them. That is the way I acquired the company. It's not necessarily the way I'd like to have it. We only have 20 licensed locations that are still around. Okay. So most of our revenue is being generated from just selling the product, mostly to third-party retailers. But those managers back in the day, Brenda would know this, they actually lived in the stores. So the wow. old Stucky locations, their living quarters in the back. And my grandfather would often set up young couples with the seed money to open a store and they'd pay him back, usually within a year or two because profits were so good. And he wow. made his money from the sale of product and from the sale of gas because he had to deal with Texaco. So it's really fascinating, you know, when you really look at these businesses and how they generate revenue, even though in our prime, we were known for the stores, the stores themselves is not how the company made its money. The company has always made its money through sale product that we either made ourselves or that we outsourced because we sell a lot of just kitschy stuff, alligator right. heads. And I just <laughs> happen to have one of these by me, you know, pigs. Right. Is that, is that Wilbur from, uh, what's the AD? Charlotte's web? Yes. The best part go. of my job is getting to go to the trade shows. I call it the kitschy souvenir trade show, but it's the Vegas show every year is where people in the retail business go to buy sort of the somewhat more the lower end souvenir type merchandise. And I have so much fun helping pick out the product line for our stores. Yeah. So this is a new trend. People are right. buying these like stretchy animals. Right. Well, hey, going back to you're describing the stores back in the 60s and 70s, 
you know, uh, Evan makes a point. Live and work from home is wondrous. That's what that's what <laughs> folks can do. You are way ahead of the trend. That is right. right. Yes. Uh, Steve's a big fan. Uh, you're welcome, Steve. Uh, we're big fans oh, of Stephanie as well. I know Steve. We look forward to uh, to diving deeper. So, so on that note, before we get to, we, we want to talk about fundraising and getting both of y'all's perspectives and stories there, as well as you know, how important it is to ensure access to capital for all. Right, that's uh, some of the yeah. issues of our day. But Stephanie, before we get there, you've got a trivia question and a oh, yeah. giveaway. Right, so tell us what you got. So we will be giving one of our gift tins. And if you go on our website, www.stuckies.com, you can see the gift tins. They're super popular. And I'll be giving a gift tin that will have two ounce pecan log rolls and divinity, two of our best selling items. And mm. I should have the count right. I think it's a 12 count. Wonderful. And I think it's valued at $59.99, but it's a nice item. And we will just ship it direct to you. We, you have to get the trivia question right, and we will randomly select among the correct winner, correct answers. So we're going to let you pose that question. I want to share a couple of quick comments here first. So Lisa saw you speak at last month at a chamber meeting, uh, says hello. Great. Thank you for that, Lisa. Jeff says he grew up on your pecan divinity. So I was in your store so much. I felt like I lived there. So thank you for sharing. Hope you uh, get that. the trivia question, Jeff. That's right. Yeah. So with yeah. no further ado, Stephanie, what's the question? I do want to say a quick note about Divinity because Jeff prompted this. Divinity is really for the ultimate candy connoisseur, in my opinion. It is the hardest candy to make. And you have to have just the right weather conditions. If it's too humid, it doesn't come out right. It is absolutely delicious. And we make ours from scratch. So I think our mm. Divinity will stand up next to any other candy company. Love so, that. Yeah, so for your chance to win some of our divine candy, you have to get this right. What Oscar-winning film featured a scene at a Stuckey's? So that's the question. Y'all drop the answers in the comments. I'm, I'm going to give a little hint. Is that it's it's it's, uh, it's from a movie? Thank you, Craig, for the sound effects there. Hollywood sound effects. <laughs> so the movie is from just within the last few years. Uh, yeah. And it's a great movie. I mean, and it won I'm best both... picture. When I say Oscar winning, it won best picture. That is right. right. I forgot yeah. that, uh, Stephanie. Picture. Amanda and I really enjoyed it. In fact, I'm about to rewatch it this weekend now. That and we've got one. We got a couple answers already. And uh, Amanda, if you and the team will make sure that sometimes, like with this here, sometimes you have a setting oh. on your LinkedIn. We can't see who that is. So Amanda, if you will make sure we can take these winners in account. And we'll, what we'll do. Is oh, I know the answer. You <laughs> <laughs> take a minute, Greg. You're like, yeah. Doo, doo, yeah. Doo, 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 no, actually, I had it here. <laughs> right. So, Amanda, Chantel, and Catherine, thanks for what y'all do. The production team behind the scenes. If y'all would just pull all the right answers, and we'll select a winner at the end of the live stream. So, uh, hey, there there are a few answers that could probably be adjusted here, and I don't think we would know the difference. But right. it is, does seem like a shame of all the things that Forrest Gump featured that Stuckey's was not in. I mean, it just seems like Missed a natural opportunity, yes. movie, doesn't it? We should have been. They need to have a Forrest Gump too. Yeah. Yes. Or a prequel. Yes. And we were actually, this is a bit of a trick question because we have been featured in two Oscar nominated oh, best wow. films in the past 
I want to say it's the past five years. I'm, I'd have to check the years the movies okay. came out. But in recent years, but only one of them won Best Picture. So it's the one that won Best Picture. One that won Best Picture. So Amanda, Chantel, and Catherine, y'all pull those uh, answers, the right ones, and to give us a winner, if you would, we'll announce that at the end of the live stream. we got so much to get to between now and then, though. I want to move right along. I want to move into our first of uh, two big topics here today. An hour will never do it justice, but we're going to uh, maximize our time. We're going to be talking about fundraising, right? Fundraising. And, and you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you probably know well and have plenty of experiences. Uh, our two, our two uh, friends here, Greg and Stephanie, have lots of experience. Uh, in fact, I've learned a lot from Greg in, in the last two or three years when it comes to fundraising. And Stephanie, but I want to start with you. We'll get Greg's take in a minute. But what are some of your observations as it relates to this journey here that you began a few years back as you made a you know big, bold bet, to, in, to use your words, put your life savings into rebuilding this uh, legendary American company? And- you know, and you're doing it. But what have you learned about fundraising along the way? Well, it's hard. And I think the biggest takeaway has been, it's almost like a second job. Mm. You, I, And I used to run a nonprofit. And I remember at the time thinking this is the hardest job because you're doing two jobs. You're doing the business of running the organization and you're fundraising. And I thought, well, when you're running a for-profit corporation, that's got to be easier because the service that you provide, the product you provide is producing the income that supports the organization or the company, which is true. But if you like Stuckies and like most companies, you're going to get to a point where a pressure point where there are incredible growing pains, which is where we are right now. It's a, it's a good problem, but it is painful right now because we are getting major national accounts interested in our brand, wanting to place large POs, large purchase orders, where we're talking about potentially millions of pounds of pecans. We're talking big orders, hundreds of cases, yeah, packaging, unit stores. Yes. That level. Tons of sugar, orders. all of that stuff, right? I mean, yeah, six big volume purchase orders. We bought a candy plant that was almost at its capacity. So we have completely stretched its capacity. So we're in the process of trying to acquire a new facility in the Augusta, Georgia area. We have to move our distribution facility, which is currently in Eastman. It's rented and that landlord is expanding and needs us out. Mm, so yeah. we have to move for the distribution. So we're, we need to move the distribution closer to our manufacturing and we'll expand the manufacturing capacity at this new facility as well, because you have to get new equipment. Yep. Equipment takes up space. You can't just stick up enrobing machine in a small room. You've got to have space for the equipment to work. Yep. So we so Stephanie. Have found the site and um, just real quick, we're looking yeah. at raising 6.5 million. So. 6.5 mil. That's the number. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get Greg to comment here in just a second, but one quick follow-up. You've really laid out the why, Stephanie, yeah. right? To fuel this next phase of growth. Yeah. So the why is there. Tell us about one, some of those, what the conversations, those fundraising conversations yeah. are like, because you're, you're new to this, I think, admittedly. So yes. what, what stood out there? Well, just, trying to figure out how you want to get access to capital and 
you have to make the decision. Do you want to do debt funding or equity funding or a blend thereof? And then there's also these hybrids of the equity funding where you can structure it in different ways. It could be an equity buyback. Or if it's equity, do you want to do the private equity route? Do you want to do family funds, which are a whole different animal? Do you want mm -hmm. to do a crowdfunding equity, which is largely non-voting, small, small shares, a lot of work to put that together. So you have to figure out what your platform is. So we have been vetting all these different options. And then they're government loans. Mm. You know, do right. you want to take some of these government programs uh, USDA in particular, because we are in the agricultural food production space. Mm. And likely what we're going to do is a capital stack, right? We're going to get different chunks, different places. Okay. All right. So you're, you're describing some of those conversations, describing some of those options, kind of talking about how you got to build your strategy. Greg, I'm going to pull you in here. I know all of this has probably been there, done that a thousand times. You're our guru here. Uh, supply chain now when it comes to these conversations. Talk a little about what we're hearing from Stephanie and from your experience. I think that I think the most important thing, I mean, if you're in business, if you're an entrepreneur, is to realize that it is a second job. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, it's a very delicate balancing act because you're you're at an inflection point as a company, meaning it could go either way, right? Usually you, you've hit the ceiling of what your current capacity or funding or team yeah. can do. Right. So you're up against it as it as it is. And you have to continue to perform at an excellent. You have to excel while raising funding. So you literally have to take off your eye off the ball and still hit a home run. I mean, that's the that's the best. That's the best analogy that I can give you. You, you have to take your eye off the ball of running the business day to day and still hope the business hits a home run, because if sales dip, or production yeah. alters while you're going through the funding, the, the fundraising process, everybody's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just doing both. I mean, my business partner yeah. and I are do we are literally working 12 hour days and consuming an incredible amount of coffee. And the takeaway that I learned, I read somewhere is you need to start raising money when you don't need it. Yeah, uh, mm. unquestionably, especially if you, especially, <laughs> well, especially if you want loans, right? You yes. can't get loans when you need the money because you don't have the collateral or you don't have the capital structure that in, in assures banks who are incredibly, incredibly conservative that yes. you can pay them back. It's a little bit different with equity. Somebody has taken a bit of a flying leap. However, there are all these provisions when you get equity that puts it's called the top of the stack that puts the new investors yes. at the top of the stack. So if anything goes wrong, they get paid first. So there's a lot of risk mitigation that's that's going on. And I think the other thing you have to understand is that as much as they say, and I believe as much as investors believe that they are a partner with you and that they believe in your vision, they believe, believe in your vision for precisely as long as it is creating returns on their investment. And then they don't. A hundred percent. Yes. You need to accept that if you are going to yeah. go that equity route. And it took me a lot of meetings to get to that point. And deciding, well, so frankly, that it is highly unlikely that that's going to be the route for us. I would never say completely no. Yeah. Before, 
but you are giving up a lot when you give up equity. And I look at some of the companies I admire, and I was thinking about Atlanta-based MailChimp because they recently had a huge sale of their company. But with zero investors. And his partners, yeah. two of them, I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the other partner, they bootstrapped it completely. Yeah. I read a great interview with the founder of Calendy and he largely, and he's based in Atlanta, he largely bootstrapped it with the exception of like a $50,000 friends and family type loan, like mm. a, con- look, a connection he knew. That's it. He bootstrapped it. So you can bootstrap it. You just right. have to grow slower. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And yeah. Jed liked your earlier point. Capital stacks, a really interesting, great idea. Quote, and then loved your comment there, raise money when you don't need it. Uh, yeah. So, Jed, thanks for being there. Sylvia is a big fan, must be, of SBA loans. Uh, yes. And, and make yeah, sure you- we got an SBA 504 loan to yeah. finance the acquisition of the candy plant and the shelling plant. Great money if you can get it. You're often locked in into a longer-term loan, 10, 20 years, depending on the terms. And you're locked in at very favorable interest rates. Right. I, there is a variable, but if I recall correctly, we're like at 4.1 for the, and I'm sorry. I had to let my smoky. assistant in. She was, she was making a lot of noise at the door. <laughs> so you, you get great interest, you get great terms and it's backed by the SBA. So banks right. love to loan to you. Here's the challenge with an SBA. They require a personal guarantee. And right. if you go bankrupt, it's not shielded. And I don't even want to think about that being a possibility, but you need to know all the consequences of an SBA. They they will get their money and they will go after everything you own. Everything I own is wow. listed in that SBA loan. Okay. Peter says, banks always willing to give it to you when you do not need it. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and when so you can true. personally guarantee it. I mean, yep. that's the truth. They just don't take risk. And I think that that I think what you have to understand um, in all of the legitimate and rhetoric, rhetorical discussions we've had about entrepreneurs and whether they built that or not, is yep. that entrepreneurs are taking a significant risk so that no one that ever works for them into the future will ever have to take that risk mm. again. Yeah. And, yeah. and the only, and they are literally the only people. Stephanie is the only one putting her home on the line so that this business can can flourish. Not well, the bank, not the investors, and not the employees. Yeah, so my business partner. There's two of us. We jointly own the okay. company. But here's the right. other thing: it's our families too, right? Right. Those That's assets right. can the family home, the family car. So right, college funds, good money. Good terms. I just think people need to be aware that none of this is without a certain amount of risk. And right. and what we haven't talked about that I am intrigued by and I'm really interested in pursuing is a crowdfunding option. Very Doing cool. a, I've looked at Indiegogo, I've looked at Kickstarter, and I've actually become very intrigued with a new platform that I think we might try out. So we can talk about it in future episodes. It's called Dealmaker. You mm-hmm. familiar with that platform? I am not heard of it. I'm not that familiar with it. Yeah. So basically they help you structure all of the SEC filings. So you can't just, I couldn't just go up on LinkedIn and say, Hey, buy some equity crowdfunding shares of our company where where it's different. If you're doing the crowdfunding route, 
is that they're not owning a sizable amount. It's going to be a it's going to be a non-voting small share, but people will have a share of the company and you can choose the terms and you can say, we're not paying you back unless there's a liquidation event and that'll be in 10 years. You know, okay. so people know up front sort of what the terms are, but you can also provide rewards and fun incentives. So we're looking at structuring it in a way that I think would be appealing to people to give it maybe the $500,000 level and we could get some of the funding that way. Okay. The deal maker is really nice in that they don't have the huge percentages that you have to give up with some of these other platforms. They all come with fees and fines, not right. fees, and they get percentages. Fees and strings and percentages. Oh, my. Yeah. I want to shift gears here for a second. I want to share this from Amanda. Let me know who this is, if you would. He or she says, basically, you need a runway where you have the luxury to build your brand right. in a deliberate, meaningful way so as to ensure success. Yep. Uh, excellent point there. Uh, in, in light of all the risk that Greg and Stephanie both are describing that that all of us are, have, have lived, are living, you name it. And that was oh. um, Mark Metters there. So thank you for that, Mark. Greg? Thank you, Mark. So true. Yeah, and, I want to run and let's away. Talk about <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what builds brand because Coca-Cola, the most recognizable brand in the universe, probably, at least on this planet, didn't start out as a brand. They started out selling the hell out of something they called medicine that ultimately became a, a consumable a consumer product soda, right? Sales it what is what makes a brand. A branding exercise does not make a brand. Mm -hmm. I just want to be, I want people to understand that. I mean, we're talking, I, I presume we're speaking to some entrepreneurs here today, but it the proof is in the pudding as has been said by who ever for however long. And I still don't know what it means, but everybody understands it. But this building of a brand, somebody yeah. has to buy it. And lots of yeah. people recognize it before you get to a branding exercise. Sales, yes. sales, sales. sales. A, an entrepreneurial company doesn't have one problem that more sales can't solve. Sales speak loudest for sure. Uh, thank you for that. That's a great point, Greg. Folks, don't go after the branding exercises. Get better at selling early, too stuff. Too early. Yeah, too early. Yeah. Get better. Thank you. Get better, get better at selling stuff, folks. Um, okay. Can I, I want to share this quick thing to that, though? Yeah. Because yeah. I've learned an interesting thing, and we may be in a different position because Duckies did come with a brand, albeit one that was a little dusty and maybe fading in people's memories. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, it was a little bit of like whatever happened to when I got Stuckies. That was literally the top Google search. Whatever happened to Stuckies? And wow. are there Stuckies left? And that is no longer the top Stuckies search. Now it's pecan log rolls. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. But awesome. I had to do a lot of marketing. I, you're looking at the chief marketing officer and the chief sales officer and the chief executive officer. You wear many hats when you run a company. But what was interesting to me was when I was trying to market and sell the brand, what produced the most sales was when I talked about the brand, when I told the brand story, when I told the story of my journey, when I told you know, I would talk about, oh, we sell cactus candy and here's the story of cactus candy. And then next thing I know, you look on the website and stuff is selling. So it's a fine balance of not being too salesy and, and telling the story. But if you just right. tell the story and don't remind people, hey, behind this great story, you can buy a mug. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. It's interesting to me, like the branding, branding, branding. It's like what Gary V says, 
punch, 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 jab, right? Right. You tell the story, you tell the story, you tell the story. All right, jab, <laughs> I need a sale. Until you run into Clubber Lang and you got to come up with a new strategy, maybe. But yeah. hey, Stephanie, <laughs> um, let, I want to share a couple of comments and I, I want to shift into our second big topic, which is access for all, access yeah. to capital for all. We've yeah. got a bunch of great comments here. I'm going to try to share some of them quickly. Uh, Sylvia says her sister started her publishing company through crowd crowdfunding. Yeah. Unconventional? Yes. Effective? Yes. In big, bold wow. letters. Sylvia, thank yeah. you for sharing that. Co I might uh, want to connect with your sister. Just would love to chat with someone. Let's do it. Peter's yeah. talking about Coca-Cola, cocaine in a bottle. Gotcha <laughs> hooked, he said back in the day. Peter loved no that. No comment. Uh, Elizabeth is asking, attending South by Southwest for crowdfunding could be a resource for you. So maybe the two of y'all can get connected after the show there. John is talking about Stucky's legacy highway locations. Yeah. Now online, direct to consumer, convenience stores, grocery stores. Yes. What other channels are in your omni-channel strategy? Uh, and he yes. asked a, a lot of great <laughs> questions there. All Quick those. We're working on all those. We, we just signed up a new broker to get in the value chain. Uh, and we've been talking about airport gifts shops. Okay. Not running Wonderful. our own, but selling our product. Wonderful. Wonderful. We're, we're, we're stirring some passions here. Nick yeah. is talking about uh, equity is not a bad way to go. If the investor is able to structure a deal where you're operating debt-free and yes. you then have capital for long-term expansion, then they take a less equity, uh, equity position that allows yeah. you to own majority shares. Uh, Greg, quick response there. Yeah. Most, most equity is going to be a minority investment to begin with, but with significant preference. Now, it also depends on the kind of business you're in, right? Technology has has its own structure, retail or or manufacturing or consumer goods have used different structures and other industries use different structures. That is a very, the model that Nick is talking about is a very, very early, early equity, equity model, but gotcha. um, where some people, those would typically be called angels, as opposed to the opposite, yeah. which some investors can be. Um, th those are typically called angels that would allow you to basically buy back your company from the equity investor. But most companies, if they have enough value, can can give away as little as a 20% share of their company for for that equity. Mm. So, but I mean, and that might be a different story, Stephanie, than you're hearing, because, and it also depends on the upside potential of a business, right? It's particularly in technology, they're expecting to you, you to return 10 times what they've invested in your exactly. company. Yeah. Mm. And that's very difficult from a manufacturing standpoint. Mm. Okay. Evan, to append the proof is in the pudding. The cake is also a lie. I'll have to, I'll have to learn that one, that latter one that there. True? The cake is also a lie. I thought it was have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, the cake. <laughs> now, uh, that's right. Now, Lisa disagrees. Disagree branding She's, is key. Yeah. Yeah. Key foundation. Oh, unquestionably key. Customers. Yeah. And she also says it's an emotional experience. And, and Lisa, um, really, I think, I think, uh, Lisa, I, I agree with that. Um, but I think talk about cake and eat it too. If you focus on sales, and you're driving sales, you can still work, of course, on making that emotional connection via branding with your customer. Right. Um, Greg and Stephanie. Unquestionably. And you have to, I mean, think about, let's talk about Coca-Cola just real quick, how that brand evolved. It started out as medicine not a sustainable branding exercise because it didn't generate enough sales. Also, well, never mind. I said no comment, <laughs> didn't I? Um, <laughs> it, um, also, the 
the, you know, so they so they recognized that there was a consumer element to this, and they shifted their brand identity to to capitalize on that, and that did help drive that that consumer uh, that consumer consumption, which makes perfect sense. But but they had to sell it before the branding meant anything. I mean, uh, I, I bet nobody can name a brand that has never sold anything. Mm. So but branding point. is at the core of everything a company does. In my Unquestionably, opinion, you have to have some identity that separates you from the pack, right? Yeah, and, and that emotional connection is key. And I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek. I'm sure most people have seen his Power of Why video, but mm -hmm. he talks about most people, you know, most businesses know what they make. Coke makes Coca-Cola. They may know how they make it, although the secret formula is a secret. But a lot of companies, in fact, most companies don't truly understand why. What, why are they doing what they do? And yep. so when I first acquired Stuckey's, what, what little team we had, we literally spent four hours locked in a room talking about the why of our brand. Why do we exist? And we went around and around. Is it the pecan? Is it the road trip? What is our core? What is our raison d'etre? And we came up with, it's the road trip. Yep. And mm -hmm. so everything we do revolves around that, evolves right. around that. We talk about the road trip. We talk about the fun of exploring small town America. We talk about products that are made in this country and, and taking pride in being part of what's a classic Americana experience. All that's kind of wrapped up together. So even if we're just selling our product at Food Lion in some suburban location, when you see that pecan log roll, you have an emotional connection because you think about taking a road trip and what fun it was. Right. Or it's going to be. So that, that's branding, right? Yep. It's everything you do and it does drive the sales. So I want to, I want to move to the second gear, but I want to, I want to make, uh, I want to put kind of a period on this, on this uh, segment here. When we're talking sales and, and branding or revenue generation and branding, you know, I, I think maybe the disconnect, at least look from my perspective is you know, sales and driving revenue and figuring out what the market is wanting to buy and what they're willing to pay for and what exactly what they want, you know, that is that is the lifeblood of the business, right? Yeah. And 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 so I'm not disagreeing. You've got to have a brand, you've got to have a poly, you know, you've got to polish all of that and you've got to make that emotional connection with the customer. But gosh, if you've got the you know, the, the sexiest looking logo and product positioning, all this stuff, but you don't know how to drive sales and drive revenue. Really, what do you have? What's the value of what you have? Yeah. So we'll have to have a whole nother discussion around this. I think the beautiful thing is we can disagree and all be successful. Yes. Right? Yes. I don't think I don't think it's a mutually exclusive relationship. I, in yes. fact, I know from from personal experience multiple times that it's not. A, a, yeah. Uh, is it a zero sum game? I still don't know what a zero sum game is, but we'll, we'll save that for another show too. <laughs> we have a lot of stuff we don't know. Right? We zero just say that like we don't know. Yeah. More, right? Yeah. There are no winners. Right. Okay. Thank I you. That's right. Stephanie, I'm, I'm <laughs> leaving with the, uh, I, I, I've not known that in any of my uh, definition of that through my entire life. And I'm now walking away with uh, that included on my 17 pages of notes from this conversation between right? the three of us. So let's, Let's move along because with the time we have left, I got a couple of questions I want to pose to both of y'all. I want to get into access to capital for all. And before I, I uh, Stephanie, we start with you and get some of your perspective here. I want to start with this quote from Hypotamus. Hypotamus. I, I think I got that right. Yeah. Close enough. Uh, 
<laughs> Close enough. Okay. Quote, minority founders receive less than 3% of all U.S. venture capital investments, while those from underrepresented backgrounds continue to struggle to get seats venture capital side of the table, end quote. Uh, Stephanie, with that as a backdrop, your take on how important it is and, and your maybe your personal experiences of get, making sure everyone has access to capital. I think those statistics play out and the experiences that I've had. Now, I do have a white male business partner, so we're we're not considered a minority company, but I do see the frustration. I do have friends and colleagues who are minority owned and operated businesses, and I see the challenges that they face. I would love to see a statistic if anyone has it on the private equity end of it, because it's always the venture capital number that I've seen. And VC, as you all know, tends to be more tech and gadget related, which is not the space I'm in. And there are certainly, uh, and the minority companies I interact with tend to be more on my side, sort of the, the CPG, the food business, manufacturing, making things. So uh, be interested to see if the numbers are consistent. I would bet that they are. Mm. Um, and I think it's subtle. It might be worse than private equity. Right? It's it's very subtle. It's, it's not like you're necessarily going to. I have not experienced where I think I was rejected because it's a female-owned company. But it's just the access to those contacts I mean, I'm very fortunate that my business partner is a very good golfer and he plays golf. I don't play golf. I'm not in those inner sanctums where you hang out and smoke cigars and chat. And, oh, by the way, so-and-so has this fun you should talk to about. And next thing you know, you got your money. Mm. So there's it's all these subtle undercurrents and, and connections and that's hard if you didn't grow up with that access. I have some access, but not, not like some other yeah. companies. And mm. so I would like to see more private equity, more venture capital, make a deliberate decision that this is how we are going to run our company. We are, some of this is going to have to be getting beyond your comfort zone, getting outside that circle of people that you generally do business with and lend money to and try really actively to seek out minority companies. And I know just this is related, but different in procurement with our business. I'll look at, we'll usually get three bids on a job. And I always look at what is the racial and you know demographic what's the demographic of the leadership of the company and if we have three bids from three white male owned companies i will insist that we get another bid from a minority owned firm it mm. doesn't mean they get it but it means that they get a bid mm. and so you have to do that you have to make yeah, that extra you have effort to be very conscious about it. because they're not necessarily these companies aren't necessarily on our radar and i have to say it's hard sometimes i really have to actively search I get on the internet, I get on LinkedIn. I'm like, I'm trying to find a firm in this space. Right. And it's hard. No, absolutely. That's why sourcing and procurement and those professionals are so talented and such an important part of the mix because whether you're talking, well, whatever suppliers you're talking about, it's very difficult the finding and vetting and, and making yeah. sure you're as inclusive as you want to be. It's a, it's a full-time job. Greg, respond if you would 
to some of the things that Stephanie talked about, in particular on the front end, as she was talking about, it's it's not so much an active exclusive exclusive type yeah. of vibe. It's that it's the stuff that you don't even think about just because of kind of you know uh, the golf club as she's talking about. But Greg, speak to some of those things that Stephanie the inherent biases. Hmm. I, I think it's even uh, more than that. It's not it's not intent as much as it is neglect. I mean, look, let's yes. face it. Who are the investors in their countries in this in any country? They are hedge fund managers and their children. Those children go to Wharton Business School and they hang out with other hedge fund managers, kids. Um, they are exceptionally intelligent because they are taught business around the breakfast table from mm-hmm. birth, basically. I yeah. mean, I have struggled with this because it, uh, it's not just a it is a demographic thing. I think, frank, frankly, and unfortunately, that's probably the best description for it because it's not a race thing. It's not an ethnicity thing. It's it's not a class thing, though all three of those things come into play. It is it is uh, an an uh, affinity thing. It is they don't know us. They don't know people yeah. other than those hedge fund managers wow. and their trust fund babies who have gone to Wharton. So. Uh, or or other now schools, but really it did all start with Wharton, yeah, like so. Harvard, <laughs> right, right. They'll, they'll look at some other schools. Harvard. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean the, the net effect. We don't have to list all the schools, I guess, but the net effect is the same, right? These are really knowledgeable people, and and if you think about it from their perspective, somebody you have known maybe your whole life, but certainly all the way through college, who you know to be highly intelligent, and ultimately capable and also backed by daddy's money is a great investment. Somebody you don't know, regardless of what they look like or sound like or who they are, but that doesn't have the same pedigree that you do. And you don't know what their backstop is in terms of funding or whatever. It's a much, much higher risk. And what I've discovered from now being on the other side of the table in venture capital is we need to make an all investors need to make, and they are starting to make, they are really, really trying hard to make those connections at an earlier stage with people that aren't from their regular social class or even social circle, right? You, you have to start making those connections, even just like with banks, even before you need the money or even before you know you might ever need money, right? Yeah. We, need, we need to do it in high school and grade school and kindergarten and preschool, whatever. Um, so, so that we know one another better, we can, we come up through our livelihoods and our professional lives together and we can recognize the value that you go, you know, if I gave that, that lady like a million bucks, I think she'd do good stuff with it because I have this timeline of experiences that I, I can draw from ultimately. And this is an outsider's analysis, regardless of what I look like, I'm an, definite outsider when it comes to investing. Um, that's an outsider's perspective and analysis of why it was hard for me, even a white male, right, um, to raise money and and why it is hard to get to make those contacts with so many people. All right. So, Stephanie, I want to get your quick response to what Greg just shared and your final thought when it comes to access for all uh, to that critical capital to, you know, to help fuel this rapid and successful uh, growth. But Stephanie, your quick response there. Greg touched on some good points. I think there needs to be this infrastructure, not just where you have 
these opportunities to get to know people who don't come from the same background. And I would love to see that begin at the educational stage, pre-K, elementary school. That's going to be a pretty hard lift. Right. I think yeah. more likely we're going to need to have an infrastructure in place to support businesses, entrepreneurs that don't have that access. And you make a point. I'm, there's often this conception that, well, if you're white and male, then you're privileged and you have access to these hallowed halls. Not always the case. 100% agree with that. But I would say vast majority of those private equity. In fact, while you were talking, I was clicking through. I have easily talked to 40 or 50 private equity firms I have taught not talked to a single one that was not run by, by white males. Not wow. one. Unquestionable. Not one. I'm not saying they don't exist. They do. And I, I can point you at one that might even be a good um, I would love it. Option I for would you. Love it. <laughs> yeah. But I think having the infrastructure to support entrepreneurs who don't have those opportunities, because I did have the benefit of a couple of times being on a judge panel for pitches for entrepreneurs, which is so fun because I'm usually on the pitching side, not getting pitched to. Right. And great way, great time to talk about pitch with baseball just starting. That's but right. I realize how <laughs> ill-prepared so many of them are, even though they may have a great idea, but it's understanding what it really takes to scale. Like mm. so many of them will say, well, I have this great product and I aim to be in Target in a year. Mm. And they're not even in their local community store. Mm. So it's just that not really understanding what it takes. And then, you know, you asked to look at the financials and they're not done well. These aren't CPA generated financials, the business plans really need a lot more support. So I think there's just this infrastructure there that needs to be more available. And it's not an easy problem to fix. No, right. it's not. And it takes intention and action. And I think we're getting there. I mean, when I started Tequila Sunrise, that was this was one of the topics that we addressed on, yeah. on the show at a very early stage. The intent and the action is there. It is a heavy lift from both sides, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, you, you can't have grown up in, you know, extreme wealth and and expect to know people other than that are like that, just like you can't ex expect to grow up in extreme pov poverty and expect to know people other than outside that circle. So we need to bridge that gap substantially and rapidly, I think, because there are some fantastic ideas out there and there are some mm -hmm. fantastic opportunities for everyone to benefit. Yep. R right. Really quick, and I want to. I want to. As we start to wrap here, we we got just a couple more minutes. We've had some great comments. By the way, Elizabeth, thanks for sharing this. Uh, she she recommends SearchFunder.com. Good resource for making some of those connections. SearchFunder.com. Check awesome. that out. Awesome. I will check uh, that out. Your rhetorical question for now. We we'll have to save y'all's takes on this uh, for the, uh, another show. But you know, sometimes I wonder, especially as I as I uh, dive deeper into some of these uh, raises uh, raise journeys and what what's published if we don't need more folks born to build and to sell versus born just to raise you know i think we should think about that but we'll save that for another show yeah 
Uh, okay. What do you mean by that? Born to raise? I'm curious. Well, you mean raise funds? Yeah, I, I think in some of the some of the things I'm observing, right? <clears throat> rather than folks get into know their market, get into build the product that the market wants, rather than get into and start creating revenue, they they build something that's more poised just to raise rather than that's a really you know, good insight. Un well, that is you know, unbelievably insightful. Yeah. That, I mean, we <laughs> work is a great example of that, by the way. Right. Which is a fascinating story. There's some great documentaries, Greg. Oh, I just finished reading the we work biography. Well, I got, I listened to it on audible. Amazing. It really is. Yeah. And, Greg, <laughs> and you've got some strong, uh, I've enjoyed some of your strong takes on the we we work story, and I can't remember the uh, the founders um, the founder's Adam. name. What's that, Adam. Stephanie? Adam, I'll remember it as soon as we go off the air. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to forget it. You know, <laughs> I can type it in. All right, we'll, well call let, a friend. <laughs> that's right. Oh, hey, that reminds me, we got to get to the trivia winner. So we got to wrap up really quick. And Stephanie, you got a full Friday afternoon too, as, as does Greg. So a couple things. I want to first off make sure, uh, Stephanie, how can folks, before we pick our winner, and Amanda, Chantel, or Catherine, if one of y'all could pick, the, the answer to the trivia question was the green book. The green book. So check that out on Netflix, amongst other places. It's a great movie. So let's let's pick a winner that shared the right answer. And Amanda, if you could let me know in, in the chat there. Uh, and it's Stephanie. a true story. The green book's a true story. So Stuckies is in the movie because we were never segregated. Okay. And stories Man. about driving through the segregated South. So it's, it's an amazing tale. Definitely check it out. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to pick the winner here, but in the meantime, as I do this, Stephanie, make sure how can folks connect with you and Stuckies? How, how can that happen? Yeah. So LinkedIn is the best place to find me and Stucky. So Stucky's corporation. And then I'm, Listed as Stephanie Stuckey, I will say if you send me an invitation to connect, it is not personal that I do not accept is that LinkedIn will not allow me to accept any more connections. So if you will kindly follow me, if you need to reach me, my information's in my bio. And I do also try to check the messages. I get a lot of spam. I do my best. But email me is the best way if you have like a, an, a message for me. Also, I'm on Twitter, TikTok. I'm on TikTok now. Wow. And Instagram as at Stucky Stop, all one word. Awesome. And Facebook is E Stephanie Stucky. My first name's Ethel. Okay. Yeah. It's, My professional it's just, page is E Stephanie Stucky. Awesome. It's just that easy. Make sure you connect with her. Uh, make sure you check out Stucky's for all of your year round uh, uh, candy and, and beyond needs. I love the nostalgia and, and of course, the legendary brand. Uh, Greg, this is Dave S is what Amanda tells me. He was the first okay. person to answer correctly. Uh, Dave S. So Dave, if you can, um, I'll tell you, if you can shoot your information over to, I think Stephanie shared her email address. You might also want to copy Amanda at supplychainnow.com on there. So we make sure it makes it through all the, the junk mail filters that, that uh, things happen these days. But Dave, congratulations. You're the winner. Hey. Yeah, we'll mail it direct to you. It's sstucky at stuckies.com. Okay, perfect. Okay, so Greg, we didn't get a chance to get to the good news with you and Stephanie, but both, both of y'all were sharing so much good stuff here today. Been there, done that. Um, really appreciated y'all's time and perspective. Greg, out of all the goodness that Stephanie shared, 
beyond yeah. the story, which is really cool. Um, you know, the, the massive risk on the very front end, you know, to basically invest her life savings into rebuilding her family's company and an American icon and all the good stuff that she shared since then. What's one thing that she shared that you really think folks should take away? I, I think the, um, the number one, um, attribute of an entrepreneur is, is persistence. And Stephanie, you know, she didn't get to share it here, but she shared it in the past, just how persistent she had to be. And, and, um, I think in one of your recent posts, you said you were something like seventh in line to take over the company, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, seven grandkids. Um, I was number five of seven. So not high so, order. Oh, okay. Five. Okay. Five out of seven. Okay. But I, I mean, I think that's important <laughs> because that persistence has to come from belief. It has to come from your why, as we talked about. And, and that persistence is absolutely necessary to get through the hills and valleys, the hurdles and troughs and all of those things that you go through as an entrepreneur to keep you going pointed at that North star to get to the moon and, or, or whatever your goal is. Right. And, um, and make it happen that, you know, I, I don't think that really, we were able to enunciate that here, but I think that's really important to acknowledge. And secondly, I think it's important that Stephanie and other entrepreneurs don't just get theirs and then claim their land. They are looking out for others. They are looking to yes. uplift others who are, or would be entrepreneurs to create, a more level playing field, a fairer uh, rule book, and those sorts of things that make everyone have the opportunity to build that. Mm. So I think that is that's an important uh, takeaway from for me today. Agreed. As Lisa says, persistence and passion. And Lisa, by the way, said that she's going to be a part of that uh, the marketing and branding call that we have. Lisa, we'd welcome it. Uh, I love your passion around topics of today. Stephanie, is this your? Uh, the, we get this email here, right, Peter? Uh, S Stucky at Stucky's doc. Okay. Yeah. Email me, Peter. So Dave S our winner, uh, send a, send a note to that email. And of course, copy, uh, Amanda at supplychainnow.com to make sure that gets through. Uh, and folks, what a wonderful conversation. Big thanks to, uh, the one and only Stephanie Rody Stucky. We didn't talk about your nickname. We'll have to get to <laughs> the story behind that at some point soon, but big thanks to Stephanie. A big thanks to my colleague here, partner in crime, the one and only Greg White. Thanks for your time here today. Uh, we hope to have Stephanie back again soon where we're going to dive deeper into this incredible journey. Her and her team are on some of her frank observations, the good, the bad. And hey, some of those days can be ugly, but that's 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 all part mm. of the all part of the walk of life that we're on when you're not. That makes the win that much tastier. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> all right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all the great comments. Uh, by the way, Stephanie, Nick says he's going to email you information on his firm, maybe be able to help you. And we got some other comments along those lines. Thank you all. Appreciate that. Uh, and, um, and thanks to Smokey. That's right. <laughs> yes. Right. Who made a cameo a couple of times. That's good. That is my, right. My assistant. <laughs> well, hey, folks, thanks for tuning in. Big thanks to the whole production team man, helping to make today's show happen. Catherine, Chantel, and Amanda. Whatever y'all do, though, whatever you do, if you take one thing away from this conversation here today, I want to challenge y'all to be like Stephanie, be like Greg, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. 
Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.